Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello, welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing? Well, I've really run through the uh, the emotional spectrum here in these last couple of days, Justin, as a New York Jets fan, because my hopes were expertly dashed after the Derek Carr news and then pumped right back up after the Aaron Rodgers news. So uh, we want to make a quick little announcement before the show, but of course we want to run through all the usual uh, P's and Q's and all that. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Go find us on YouTube at The Jet Press. Hit that little bell after you subscribe so you get notified whenever we go live. I want to hand it over to my man Justin really quick as he has a brief announcement that we want to uh, want to make before we really get into the meat of the show. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mike. It is a busy time for the Jets, of course. But before we start, I just wanted to kind of give a quick shout out to my man, Will Parkinson. Those of you who frequent Jets Twitter, consume Jets content in you know any way, probably know who Will is. Uh, his mother was recently diagnosed with cancer, and there's a GoFundMe page floating around. If you have the means, I know he would very much appreciate it if you donated. If not, sharing the link absolutely helps as well. The link is down in the YouTube description. It's also posted on our Twitter account. You can just scroll down our timeline. You can find it on his Twitter as well. Will's a good dude, and you know I know the the Jets community has his back on this one, and uh, and we do too. But uh, we got a lot of Jet stuff to talk about. Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr. There's a lot. Mike, you wanna you wanna start us off? Uh, let's start us off here because Jets Twitter for about 48 hours appeared to collectively be on suicide watch. Even those who weren't even that in on Derek Carr were completely freaking out because Derek Carr, as we hinted at multiple times on this show saying, watch out for those New Orleans Saints because I think something might be up here. He signs a four-year contract worth $150 million with $100 million guaranteed with the New Orleans Saints. Now, the structure of this deal, they could get out of it earlier than the end, but basically 2026, before the 2026 season, is really the realistically or the earliest chance that they have to part with Derek Carr if things go sideways. So that's a substantial commitment that I know the Jets probably would have had to make, but if you're hesitant about, or were hesitant rather, because he's gone now, about Derek Carr for his performance in cold weather, his lack of postseason success, his down year last year, which part of it was Josh McDaniels, part of it, a small part of it was not. It was just Derek Carr playing poorly. I think that kind of gives you a little bit of closure and a little bit of solace of like, all right, we didn't pay $100 million in guaranteed money 
to a guy with some pretty noticeable flaws. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I it obviously it feels like it's so long ago now at this point that that happened just because of all of the the amazing and, and just a lot of Aaron Rodgers news that's come out. I've written way too many articles about Aaron Rodgers, man. I am fatigued. Um, but yeah, I, I spent that that uh, lunch lunch period, whatever you want to call it, my lunchtime after the Derek Carr news, watching some some Derek Carr interceptions from last year. You know, copium, whatever. Uh, but no, I mean, it basically it seems like how it went down is we saw the report from Jeremy Fowler that came out the day before the car signed, uh, insisting that Carr preferred the Jets. That was very likely leaked by Derek Carr's camp as a way of basically saying, hey, we want to sign with the Jets. I know that the reports kind of indicated the opposite the next day. I don't believe that. I fully believe that Carr was ready to sign with the Jets if the Jets were willing to commit. The Jets were not willing to commit. Clearly, They were talking about an hour beforehand on Get Up. He was like, oh, yeah, Carr's leaning the Jets. And then an hour later... So part of me is thinking, all right, that was either a lie or he didn't really want to sign with the Jets. And he just yeah. said, look, I can't wait forever. I, I think he totally did. And that's why it was funny to see all the reports come out immediately after saying Carr and this, you know, Carr preferred the Saints all along. This was always going to happen. It's like, that's not true. And you know, it's not true. Um, <laughs> but it just basically seems like Carr wanted the Jets and they had kind of one last meeting where they're like, look, we've been patient. We've been waiting, but we can't wait any longer. And I'm sure the jets expected an announcement, a decision from Aaron Rodgers before this, like they definitely expected some decision before this. Unfortunately, they did not get one. Derek Carr essentially did not want to wait anymore. And I think the jets understood that. And I think Carr understood that. And that's why Carr opted to sign with the saints. The jets are, I don't want to say pivoting because they've always had their eyes on Aaron Rodgers, but now they're more in a situation where it's like, you kind of got to get Aaron Rodgers. There's other options. I'm sure we'll talk about them on the show, but I don't want to say it's Aaron Rodgers or bust, but it's about as close as you can get to that at this point. I, w- I would say it's Aaron Rodgers or bust unequivocally. Like, let's put aside the idea of a certain guy who wears number eight in Baltimore. We'll get to that later in the show. If that even becomes a thing, that's a completely different can of worms and a totally different dynamic. We don't even know if that's a thing that can happen yet. That might just be us trying to write Lamar fan fiction at this point. So let's just look wholly at Aaron Rodgers. Now, there is some momentum building towards the Jets signing Aaron Rodgers, signing, trading for Aaron Rodgers. They've met with him, both Robert Sala, Woody Johnson, Nathaniel Hackett, who Rodgers already knows well. And if we know anything about Rodgers, he is going to take his sweet time, consider every little factor, cross every T, dot every I. But the fact that he they've even gotten this far, I think, is a fantastic step. I think it shows that they are clearly the leader in the clubhouse. They may be the only team in the clubhouse as we hinted last time but the Aaron Rodgers or bust thing is 100% real in that if he doesn't go let's just say he retires let's just say he's not sold on what the Jets are building maybe he doesn't like Woody Johnson or Robert Sala or playing in New York or maybe he's just a California guy who doesn't want to play in cold weather again who the hell knows whatever sets him off and he retires who the hell is out there now this is what I think the car hysteria was, came from, because there is now no backup plan. Jimmy Garoppolo is the backup plan. And we have talked at length on this show. A lot of other people have talked at length. Jimmy Garoppolo, while a fine quarterback, is not moving the needle. I'm not even sure the Jets are really a playoff team with Garoppolo if Lamar Jackson stays in the AFC North with the Baltimore Ravens. That, that's a seismic shift. Because let's just say Garoppolo goes to the Raiders. Then now what? Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, who's out there at at that point? So the Jets need to summon whatever 
negotiating skills they have, whatever seductive skills that they have. I know that putting the word seductive next to Joe Douglas and Robert Sala might make some odd visions for some people. <laughs> maybe Nathaniel, can ha- Nathaniel Hackett could sell it. You know, him and him and Rogers are buddies, right? Yeah, I, I guess it just <laughs> something about him is that's his muse. He's got to be able to sing to him. Yeah, now, they need to summon whatever they have to do to get Aaron Rodgers with the New York Jets because if they don't, then all of this was for nothing. And the Joe Douglas, Robert Sala regime is going into the final year of what could be the final year of their regime with a a non-needle mover at quarterback. I'll say like a Jimmy Garoppolo and woohoo. We got Jimmy Garoppolo. What do you want a cookie? You want a parade ticker tape, right? Garoppolo Rogers. I'll give you Garoppolo not doing anything for me. I I completely agree. I I was just talking about this with, uh, with Scott Mason on the play like a jet podcast. Shout out to him. Uh, basically the Jets need to get a quarterback that is as of equal competency or equal skill, if not better than Derek Carr. If not, this is a failure because they had the opportunity to sign Derek Carr. Carr was ready to sign with the Jets by all accounts. It seems as though if the Jets were committed to Carr from the start, if they said, you are our guy, Carr would have likely signed with the Jets. Instead, the Saints did that. The Saints said, you're our guy, Derek Carr, and he signed with them because the Jets were not ready to commit. So at this stage, if the Jets miss out on Aaron Rodgers and they cannot get a quarterback who is as good, if not better than Derek Carr, which the options like you just went over are very minimal. It is Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, which could be might not even be a realistic option. And, you know, who else? Who, who else? Right. Genuine, genuinely, who else? Unless someone like a Dak Prescott shockingly becomes available, which it's the NFL offseason. You can never rule anything out. But unless something like that happens, you're realistically looking at Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you can't get Garoppolo, you're realistically looking at trying to convince the Titans to trade ten, uh, Ryan Tannehill, despite the fact Begging, that they hands and knees. Right, Please, sir, please trade Ryan Tannehill. Is that what you want your team to be doing? Right. Please trade us the 21st best quarterback in the NFL, please. We're, we're uh, begging. We really <laughs> want the 21st best quarterback. I mean, right. Maybe 18th best of all. I'll give you some optimism, but yeah. that's the nightmare situation if you don't get Aaron Rodgers. It is, and then if you know if the Tannehill's not an option because that's not a, that's not guaranteed to be an option, you're genuinely looking at Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, uh, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold's a free agent. Like that's, no, that's say, why would you say Sam Darnold? Don't put that in the universe. Bring in <laughs> Sam Darnold. Bring in Baker Mayfield. Have Zach compete with them. Because <laughs> <laughs> and sign Josh Rosen too. Let's put make the, the party. On, yeah, put the Jets on hard knocks, and every not everybody, but the the ratings will definitely say that'll that'll profit for the ratings. Yeah, that's um, what I want. Ratings, not Aaron Rodgers. No, that's what I'm mine. <laughs> that's why before I said it is basically Aaron Rodgers are bust because it's not technically because Lamar Jackson is a possibility. And there's always the 1% chance that someone like a Dak Prescott becomes available. But right now it is pretty much Aaron Rodgers or bust. The jets have put all their eggs in the Aaron Rodgers basket. And I don't know, there's a report that came out by Matthew Berry that was basically saying it was a Woody Johnson decision that Joe Douglas and the majority of the jets front office would have signed Derek Carr. And he was their preference. Who knows if that report is accurate? I do know that Woody has a history of doing like doing stuff like that in the past. Of course, we've seen that time and time again. But Michael Ford earlier this year, that was clearly Woody. I was about to say to his credit, before this offseason, since he's come back, uh, he is not really. He stayed out of Joe Douglas's way. That seemingly has changed a little bit. Uh, this offseason, I think he had a little bit of say, or maybe a lot of bit of say, in the Michael Floor decision. So it's definitely not. Unprecedented, unprecedented that Woody Johnson would want the the high profile future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. They're just in a situation where they have to get him. Like that's that's pretty much what they what they're in right now. And unfortunately, 
they're at Aaron Rodgers' mercy, just like the the Packers have been for the last couple of years. And I think the Packers are done with that. I, I think it's really realistically Jets or retirement for him. I don't think he's going back to the Packers, um, given everything that we've heard over the last. I, I know that Ian Rappaport and who Adam Schefter continue to insist that that's a possibility. Uh, if we're going to take Rodgers' word for it, he says they don't know shit about him, right? So if we're taking his word for it, maybe they don't actually have the the inside information about this situation. But my take on it is, I just I just can't see him going back to Green Bay given all of the reports that have been leaked over the last few weeks about how they're disgusted with him, how they're totally done with him. Like, why would he, why would they leak those reports if they were even considering bringing him back? I I, I think it's Jets or retirement for him. I think it's a hundred percent Jets or retirement, especially because the really only, the only other team I've seen as a team that could kind of beat the Jets to the punch here has been the Las Vegas Raiders. And Looking at some of the reports that the Raiders have been putting out, it looks like they're looking more at adding a young quarterback, or if they go for a veteran, adding maybe a bridge guy like Garoppolo. And, and not they're, 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 on top of that, they're cash poor. Like that's the other report is that it's, yeah. it's a lot of money, not cap wise, cash wise, to get Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think by reports, Mark Davis has that money right now. I don't think he's willing to spend that. Mark Davis doesn't have two nickels to rub together. At least Woody's got that pharma money rolling in. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I want to bring up a point by Albert and Chad, because I think this goes into our next sort of semi-topic within the Rodgers discussion is uh, I would give them a second-round pick, Denzel Mims and Michael Carter. Now, I don't know necessarily if Denzel Mims and Michael Carter have that much value, especially for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, but it does bring into focus the idea that the Jets could trade for him and not give up a first-round pick. And I think that that actually could happen. Now it's obviously going to take Joe Douglas to really put his negotiating shoes on and really kind of strong arm Brian Gutekunst into getting Rodgers without giving up the number 13 overall pick or potentially one in uh, 2024. But at the same time, the way that it's looking, it looks like the Jets are the only like team who wants him. Not that they're going to be outbidding, oh, we'll give you a first-round pick. We'll give you a first and a second. That bidding war, that auction, is not really happening, which is good for the Jets. Now, obviously... I think at the end of the day, Rodgers is still going to require a first-round pick. I think it's going to be hard for the Packers to sell their fans on, we just traded a top-five quarterback ever at a point where even though he's declined, he's still incredibly productive, and we're rolling with Jordan Love based on 2018 Utah State, 2017 Utah State film because the last year at Utah State, he was bad. So that's what we're basing our future on is Jordan Love and – we're going to get a second round pick and then what, like a third the next year. I think that'll be kind of a tough sell. So it's really going to be about Douglas and Gutekunst just banging heads together like two Rams. But at the end of the day, I think if it just drags on long enough and Aaron Rodgers is sold on what the jets are building, he's like, look, I want to go to the jets. I don't care what retirement. Nope. Other teams. Nope. Get me to the jets. I think that that could lead to Douglas potentially just giving up a second round pick, maybe another day two down the line, maybe a day three down the line. And then Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet, and it's we're all holding hands singing Kumbaya on Jets Twitter. Look, I mean, if they trade him, if, if the Jets get Aaron Rodgers for Denzel Mims, a second round pick, and Michael Carter, I'm, I'm rolling out that Joe Douglas Stone Cold Steve Austin video. I'm, I love that video that is saved in my book. Well, I'm, I'm running down the street singing Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. And yeah, like they're, they're gonna gonna be, you're gonna, it's going to be frightened by the things I do if that happens. <laughs> right. I, I, it's such a weird situation now because before the Derek Carr news, I would have said, absolutely, I think it's perfectly reasonable that the Jets would be able to get Aaron Rodgers. For like, for, and not have to give up a first round pick, st- simply because they're the only suitor right now. But since the Derek Carr thing happened, 
it's so bizarre because neither team has a lot of leverage. Like, and it's a, one of those weird situations where both teams don't have leverage. The Jets are basically all in on Rodgers. It has to be Rodgers. And if it's not Rodgers, we already talked about it. It's Jimmy G. It's, you know, you're, you're throwing a Hail Mary for Lamar Jackson. It's Ryan Tannehill. Maybe like you don't, it has to be Aaron Rodgers. But for the Packers, if Rodgers comes and says, hey, I don't want to play for you, and they probably don't want him anyway, and I'm not going to retire, they have to trade him. Like, there's no leverage on their end. The only person with leverage in this entire situation is Aaron Rodgers himself. And that's why he's dragged this out as long as he can, because he knows he can, because both teams are kind of at his mercy right now. And I'm sure he loves that. We've talked about that. I'm sure he's very much happy about this. He's a very... I think Rappaport called him a, a retrospective person or something like just kind of. Justin, you're, you're forgetting again, though. He doesn't want to drag anybody along per his own words. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's right. I, I, I shouldn't be assigning motivation, um, <laughs> but I, it's so bizarre. That's why it's so difficult to predict what the trade package is going to be. I think it's more likely that it, it would be a 2024 first now, just because of the lack of options the Jets have. The Jets don't have as much leverage. If Carr was still out there and Rodgers went to the Packers and said, I want to go to the Jets, the Jets have all the leverage. Because not only does Rodgers say, I, I want to go to the Jets, but the Jets can also be like, look, if, if you don't meet our valuation, we'll just go to Derek Carr. They don't have that Derek Carr now. And I don't think them saying, oh, we'll just go to Jimmy Garoppolo is going to sell as hard. I don't, I, I don't think the Packers, I think the Packers would call their bluff on that one. So it's a really difficult situation. I think it's more likely that you do see a, a like a second round pick in 2023 and a, a con, maybe a conditional first in 2024, which is kind of the trade package that we started with. Like that's the trade package back a few weeks ago, a month ago, whatever that people were discussing. I think we still can get that trade package just because both teams don't really have a ton of leverage. But like you mentioned, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Packers and says, I want to go to the Jets, trade me to the Jets. I am convinced on the Jets. I want to go there. Then the Jets have the leverage because now Rodgers is saying, I want to go there. The Packers have no leverage. So really the, the, the leverage and the actual compensation is going to come down to what Aaron Rodgers decides and how he handles the situation. Now here's what I want to get your opinion on regarding Rodgers potentially joining the Jets is th that would obviously make them a playoff team. I know that making predictions can often come back and bite you in the ass on Jets Twitter because very rarely do they work out in the affirmative, but this is one of those things where I find it hard to believe that an Aaron Rodgers-led team with this defense can't at least be a wild-card team. What I want to know is where would this take them within the AFC, which is clearly much stronger than the NFC right now. I think at this point you have to put Kansas City number one is in its own tier. Just as long as Patrick Mahomes is there, you got to put Kansas City separately from the 31 other teams in the league. And I don't even think with Rodgers, even if he gets back to – not MVP level, but close to it. I still think they're far behind Kansas City just because Patrick Mahomes is something we have never really seen before. I also think Cincinnati, with that defense, Lou Anarumo staying and not taking the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job, and Joe Burrow still being as good as he is. Now, I know he's had some, I would call it Brady-like devil luck, where these things happen in the playoffs and you're like, oh man, another break for Joe Burrow. But he is still an excellent quarterback. I think he's probably the second best in the league. I think he's sort of passed Josh Allen this season in that. I think Kansas City and Cincinnati are still far ahead of the Jets. Beyond that, I'm not really sure. I think the Jets, at their absolute peak, could be the third best team in the AFC with Aaron Rodgers. Now, Buffalo is still there. They got all the units pretty much set. They got a great quarterback. I do like their coaching staff more than most. I know Sean McDermott's not perfect, but I think he's still a damn fine head coach. 
But at the same time, we've seen them now multiple years in a row in the postseason after the league changed the overtime rules to let jo- because of what happened when that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes duel in Buffalo, Kansas City. They have they've disappointed. Let's just put it that way. I mean, Cincinnati came in and blew the doors off them in their own building in the snow. So I think that knocks Buffalo down a peg to the point where the Jets could catch him. You look at the Chargers. I think they're better than the Chargers with Aaron Rodgers. The Jaguars, even though they got my boy, uh, the Prince who was promised Trevor Lawrence, I think they're better than the Jaguars. Even with the Ravens getting Lamar Jackson back, I still think they're better, or at least I'd probably say equal with Baltimore as someone who's very bullish on Lamar Jackson. At the absolute best, I know that that may not guarantee you a Super Bowl appearance, but if you go into a season saying, you know what, the Jets are the third best team in the AFC and maybe the third best team in the league, that is an insane jump in the right direction. The Jets are Super Bowl contenders with Aaron Rodgers. And I think that that's the most important that statement that can be said. We can say they're better than this team. They're worse than this team. They're legit contenders with Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying they're favorites. Like, I agree with you. I think that the Chiefs would be favored over them. I think the Bengals would be favored over them. I think a lot of people would still have the Bills favored over them, although it would be, I think, closer. I think you'd have plenty of people kind of making the Jets their trendy pick to win the AFC East this year. I think you'd still have more people saying the Bills, but you'd have plenty of people being like, you know what, I I think the Jets are going to do it. The Jets are contenders with Aaron Rodgers, and that's what's most important. Because once you get to the Super Bowl, or what? Excuse me. Once you get to the playoffs, once you get to whoa, <laughs> Jets fans aren't allowed to talk like that. Uh, once, once you get, you to, get to the Super Bowl, <laughs> no. Once you get to the postseason, anything can happen. Look at the Bengals a couple of years ago; they were not the best team in the AFC. They still reached the Super Bowl. Anytime you get to the playoffs and you have a team with a, first of all, a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers caliber, let's assume that Rodgers does not continue to decline. Like, so let's say he either has the same caliber of year he did last year or better because he's healthy. Let's say that. If you have a quarterback of that caliber, you have a chance to win the Super Bowl in the play once you get to the playoffs. It's as simple as that. I expect things to go wrong for the Jets this year. The defense was incredibly healthy. They got very lucky there. I do not expect that luck to continue. I don't know what the injuries would be, but I, I don't expect the same level of luck. But I also would not expect the same level of misfortune to happens like the offensive tackle position where they had seven different offensive tackles, if you include Elijah Vera Tucker, spend time on the injured reserve last year. That's ridiculous. That's insane. You also lost Brees Hall. So the luck goes both ways. But I think with this defense, if you add maybe one other piece to that offensive line, another piece to the skill position group, and you add Aaron Rodgers, the Jets are absolutely uh, Super Bowl contenders. I'm not sure they're going to win it, but you give yourself a window and a window to, op- to to capitalize on your rookie contracts right now because you have a bunch of dudes right now. I mean, I know Quentin Williams is about to get an ex- his extension, but you have a bunch of guys who are very talented who are playing for cheap. Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson. There's a lot of dudes on that roster that are playing for very, very cheap. And I think with Aaron Rodgers, you can try and capitalize on that window. Maybe it's two years, whatever it is, and you're genuine Super Bowl contenders. And I can't remember well i can remember the last time that we could say that about the jets it was about a, a little over a decade ago was the last time the jets were legitimate super bowl contenders but instead of mark sanchez at quarterback no disrespect to the playoff goat it'll be aaron Rodgers at quarterback and i think that's a significant difference i don't want to lower the bar for success here too either to just i don't want it to sound like coping like oh you know it's not it's not super bowl or bust let me put it that way because for a franchise like the Jets, who has not even made the postseason in a league that tries everything possible to wash every postseason team from the year prior out and put a new one in, it would not. Would it be disappointing if the Jets get to, let's say, one AFC Championship game, and then the next year they win another with Aaron Rodgers? That would be the most success this team has seen in 
over a decade, and it would be probably up there with what they've seen in the last 20 years, 25 years. Even if you don't, why wouldn't you sign up for that? I would. Like, I, I get that you, you're competing for a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, but the ad, like, oh, he, he's only got to one and one one. He's not going to take us over the top. Like, just get close first, and he'll get you close. And then who knows what will happen in the AFC Championship game. Maybe there's a freak pick six, a freak fumble, and then you're on your way. So let, let's not get all up in the Aaron Rodgers hasn't won a championship since 2011, and he needs to win a cha- like, like, ideally, that's the goal. Let's just baby steps here. It is so hard to win a Super Bowl. And I think people underestimate the amount of luck and fortune that goes into teams winning the Super Bowl. It's what makes like not I know this is a Jets podcast, but it makes what Tom Brady and the Patriots were able to accomplish so impressive, right? But also a lot of luck went into those Super Bowls. It's it's what happens. Like in in a sport like football, where it's not a seven-game series, it's one damn game. It is one goddamn game. And you have to win that game to advance to the next round. And you have to basically just run a gauntlet of the best teams in the NFL and then to win the Super Bowl. That's incredibly difficult to do. And it's also very luck-based. You're not going to have the best team in the NFL win the Super Bowl every year. That doesn't happen. Maybe you could argue it did this year. Maybe you could argue it did the year before. Like It does not happen every single year that you have the best team win the Super Bowl. And that's, that's why I also like, I think a lot of the hate the Bills have gotten and specifically Sean McDermott is silly because the Bills are still a great team. Like they are absolutely still a great team. They absolutely can still win the Super Bowl last year. They could have won it last year as well. Um, they can win it this year. They can probably win it for the next few years. As long as they have Josh Allen and a good roster around him, they can win the Super Bowl. I, I don't know if I'd say they're on the level of Kansas City right now, but they can still definitely win the Super Bowl. And it's just, it's a shame because it's just, it's so, it's again, it's just, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. That's essentially the point I'm trying to make here is it's, it's very hard. So if the Jets were to get Aaron Rodgers and they even make an AFC championship game, that's pretty good. Obviously the goal is to win a Super Bowl. And I think he gives you a chance. And that's really all you can ask for any given year is that you have a genuine chance to win the Super Bowl. And then you just hope stuff goes your way. You hope players stay healthy. You hope you get the lucky bounces in the game. As long as you have a chance, that's what you're looking for. Plus, if he goes that far, I bet that guarantees Sala and Douglas some extra time. If everybody supposedly loves this regime, if they even get there once an AFC championship game, that probably buys them, what, three more years? Considering that they're on the Jets? Now, I, I want to... There's an old adage on Twitter... Uh, never be the main character. There's one main character a day. Never be it. In Jets Twitter today, I believe the main character is Chris Carlin. Because Chris Carlin, now, he has an opinion on guys that he wants. He wants Lamar Jackson. All right, that's fine. I want to call to attention two tweets, two anti-Rogers tweets that he is that he just recently put out. Because neither of them make a lick of sense when you analyze it for more than five seconds. Number one he pointed out that Aaron Rodgers was 26th in QBR. Oh, my goodness. A QBR, a stat that ESPN uses, which they haven't even properly explained the formula yet for how it's graded. So I don't even know. Like, I make, I will rip on PFF stats from time to time. At least they explain the grading part. It's flawed, but at least you know what it is. Passer rating is flawed, but at least you know what it is. QBR is below that. So if you're using that to justify your quarterback evaluation, might as well just – I'd be fine with just blocking that. That is not something I really vibe with. Really, really quick, really quick. Do you see – like I just looked at the QBR rankings for last year. Do you see – like have you looked at like the top ten? You have Tua is number three. Tua? Jared, Jared Goff's number five. Daniel Jones is number six. Jacoby oh Brissett is number eight. You got guys like Joe Burrow at 10, 
Herbert's at 11. Trevor Lawrence is at 15. That's that definitely overvalued. Like run, being a running quarterback is obviously important, but I feel like it overvalues what running does. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny Pickett is higher than Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like, Kenny Pickett. Oh my goodness. All right. So, so if that's the if that's the logic you're using, Kenny Pickett's better than Kirk Cousins. Chris Carlin. Apparently, going to Chris Carlin's point, Matt Ryan was better than Aaron Rodgers last year. So there holy, you go. Mac- holy mackerel! <laughs> now the other thing that he brings up is. Uh, Blank, blank, Rodgers, all owner-driven mistakes. Do you know who the other two quarterbacks that he compared him to were? Brett Favre and Tim Tebow. Okay, stop right there. Brett Favre, now I know that in totality, Brett Favre did not work out. He was 8-3 and three to start, and then he got banged up. And you can't predict, especially the most durable quarterback ever, getting hurt like that and playing through it. You just can't predict that. And then he says, Tim Tebow, what mindset do you have to be in to look at Tim Tebow as an NFL quarterback, look at Aaron Rodgers, even in a compromised state coming off an injury at his age, and say these are the same and should be viewed the same way when making these trades? Like, where do you – it it, it boggles the mind. I'm, I'm speechless. Very rarely am I speechless. I'm speechless because there's no basis in reality for that comparison. No, it's someone who has a narrative, obviously. Like, he clearly has a narrative. I didn't see the QBR tweet, by the way. Thank you for pointing that out. I saw the uh, the Farb and Tebow one, and I, I responded to that on Twitter. Basically, like like you said, like people like to play revisionist history with Brett Favre. The Jets were legitimate Super Bowl contenders with Brett Favre before his injury. They were the second seed in the AFC. They were 8-3. and three, And unfortunately, like you mentioned, the most durable quarterback perhaps ever got injured. You can't predict that. And he was successful. Like the, he was successful before his injury. So comparing that and saying that that's like a, an utter failure that Woody Johnson made, that's silly. That's a very silly thing to say, I think. And then it's even sillier to try and compare trading for two hall of fame quarterbacks. If you'd be trading for Rogers and of course, Favre to Tim Tebow, which that was, I mean, we could call it what it is pretty much a publicity stunt. Like that's what that was. They didn't trade for Tim Tebow with the idea of him being the same player that they traded for Brett Favre or that they would for Aaron Rodgers. They traded for Favre and Rodgers with the, the goal of competing for a, a Super Bowl. That's why they traded for those guys, for them being their starting quarterback, their star quarterback. Tebow was brought in to play tight end. He was brought in to play special teams. He was brought in to play wildcat. That's not the same thing. Not even close. So I, I'm with you. When you did mention that, by the way, the, the main character on Twitter, I thought you were going to say Rich Samini. I don't know if you saw this while we were recording. Yeah, Rich Rich has enough days where he he's the main guy. Carlin doesn't have as many as Rich. Rich gets too much shit. I love Rich. But he tweeted out uh, just an eye emoji, right? And people are like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Uh, and um, he said, apologize for my eye emoji, Jets Twitter. I let my orange fandom get the best of me. So he was tweeting out something about Syracuse. I believe something about uh, – um, Bayheim. Why can't I think of his first name? Um, I'm thinking of Buddy Bayheim. What is the Bayheim's first name in Syracuse? Jim Bayheim. Jim Bayheim. Thank you. I was like Buddy Bayheim. That's his son. Uh, <laughs> Very <laughs> rapid rise to coach. <laughs> I, know. I know. He tweeted out something about it was it was about Jim Bayheim. But I think right now you shouldn't be tweeting out eye emojis at all in any circumstances if you're somewhere in the Jets community. The only people I think that are a little more irritating than sports writers who went to Syracuse or sports writers who went to Northwestern. Because both of them yeah. really love telling you how much they went there. The great schools. I love people. I've met people from both those schools. They're fantastic. And especially they produce a lot of good writers, but they really want you to know where they went to college. 
You just alienated <laughs> yourself from half the industry. Just like that. Oh dear. Oh no. My networking <laughs> is, is gone. If I do that with Missouri too, I'm I'm gone. <laughs> look, look what you've done. Look what you've look done. Look what I've but, done. All right. Yeah. Well, now since I just burned those bridges, let's go keep talking about Lamar Jackson and see if I can't make something out of this show. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers, right? And I honestly have talked too much. Like, I gotta stop talking about Aaron Rodgers. But if the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers, what do they do, right? That if Aaron Rodgers says, I want to retire, if he's like, I want to go back to Green Bay, which is probably not going to happen, but if he says, I want to retire, I don't want to play the Jets, whatever, what do they do? Well, the most, like the only viable appealing option at this stage would be to go all in on Lamar Jackson. Would they do that given everything that we've heard come out about Aaron Rodgers? Or Aaron Rodgers, I can't stop thinking of him, dude. Uh, it's all, he's Jackson. almost deciding. It's almost over, Justin. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's awful, dude. Um, but uh, Lamar Jackson, everything we've heard come out about Lamar Jackson within the last 24 hours, which is basically a bunch of teams saying we are not interested in him. Now, we're going we're gonna to dive into that and talk about if there's like a collusion thing, if it's anything that's even spoken but I don't know if the Jets would kind of break that. I don't know if the Jets would be the team that would say, no, we're going to be the ones that go in on him. I don't know. What do you think about the situation, Mike? Do you think there's some kind of collusion here going on? What do you make of the Lamar Jackson situation? Now, the the thing that makes collusion hard is you have to prove that there was a collaborative effort where they all got together and said that there was something that went wrong here. Now, I think the league pretty much universal acknowledges even when it happened that the Deshaun Watson contract, given all the sexual assault allegations, his injury history, because he's torn the same ACL twice. And the fact that he hadn't played in God knows how long getting a five year fully guaranteed contract with that much money was a colossal mistake. But now Lamar Jackson rightfully is saying, I haven't done any of the negative things that Deshaun Watson has done. Not even close. I also don't have the severe injuries. I have some injuries, not to that level. Why can't anybody pay me? I've won an MVP. Why can't I? The thing that the only reason that I still believe that there may have been something where some owners have been gone back and forth and mentioned, hey, maybe you know, let's let's not sign Lamar Jackson, is the fact that immediately after they found out he was getting the non-exclusive franchise tag, which just quick explainer basically means. He can go back to the Ravens at $32 million, which is what they tagged him for. He can negotiate with other teams. The Ravens can match an offer that another team makes, or they could let him leave and get two first-round picks in exchange. So immediately after they find out that he is getting tagged with that, all these teams, quarterback needy teams, Carolina, Atlanta, Washington, 
said, we don't want him. Have you ever heard of that for any other receiver, defensive end, running back, anybody, any position? They become a free agent and half the league goes, we don't want him. When Aaron Rodgers had all this stuff coming out, were there there 10 teams? We don't want Aaron Rodgers. It's really, really strange. And that, to me, makes it just seem like, you know what? We don't want every quarterback getting a fully guaranteed contract because that's going to lead to every player getting a fully guaranteed contract, and that's less money for us, the rich owners. It reminds me of, for the the baseball fans in chat, uh, in 1986, only four players changed teams in free agency because basically what happened was a team would offer a player a contract for very few money. They would go around and tell the other owners, don't offer him anything, and then he'll go back to his original team at a discounted price. Andre Dawson almost won MVP with the Expos, couldn't get a contract until like spring training with the Cubs. It's very similar to that, where they are trying to just drive Lamar's price down. Like This, this is going to be a very nasty union fight, I think, because I think it's very obvious that something is going on i don't know how planned out and how methodical it is but the fact that no one wants lamar jackson to me is incredibly strange it is and that's you bring up a good point there at the end people like i know lamar jackson doesn't have an agent but he's not negotiating this alone he has the nflpa support and they're paying very close attention to this situation and I don't know if there's a spoken agreement between the owners. I don't know if they've officially agreed all together to be like, we are not going to let Lamar Jackson continue this trend because I don't, I also don't think this is a Lamar Jackson thing. I think it's just, he wants the contract that Deshaun Watson did. And you have the, the owners basically being like, we don't think any player deserves that contract. We don't want the Browns to have set that precedent. We want to nip that in the bud. I think that's what's happening, but I don't know if they've colluded essentially and come together and, and, and basically talk to each other. Regardless of whether they have, that seems to be the outcome and essentially the intent, right? Like that is essentially what has what has occurred here, whether they're speaking about it, whether they're saying we are doing this, whether they're not saying that, whether it's kind of just an unspoken thing. Either way, it seems like that's what they're doing. I want to look at this from the Ravens perspective, because I, I covered the Ravens for a few years now. So I, I was basically before the Aaron Rodgers thing was indoctrinating my brain. It was the Lamar Jackson contract situation because it was the only thing I was writing about when I was writing about the Ravens for a while, because this was this was a big thing, obviously. Um, from the Ravens perspective, they have been very hesitant. And you can even look at, at, at previous comments from team owner Steve Bisciotti from last year at this time, where he basically he literally called out the Deshaun Watson trade by name and he said that they, he was basically saying that 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 kind of ruined things like the browns kind of ruined things for everybody is what the point he was making and you could see from then that this was ultimately going to happen because the ravens did not want to set agree to the precedent that the browns set so they have been negotiating with lamar knowing that they were never going to reach that valuation he's been hesitant to to go below his evaluation because like you mentioned he believes that he's worth what deshaun watson got paid and if you look at it on the surface yeah, I mean, if you ignore what he got paid, Lamar Jackson deserves to get paid as much, if not more, than Deshaun Watson, given his accomplishments. I agree with that. I think everybody would agree with that. It's just the Browns obviously paid a ridiculous amount of money for Deshaun Watson and gave him a ridiculous contract. But from the Ravens' perspective, they're looking at it like this. They are telling Lamar Jackson, okay, look, if you think that you're worth this on the open market, if you think some team is willing to give you this money, go for it. See if you can get that money. And if you can... Great, because if what happens is, like you mentioned with the, the non-exclusive exclusive tag, if some team does offer Lamar Jackson an offer sheet, 
the Ravens can match it. And if the Ravens, like in that situation, that's honestly a good situation for the Ravens because they don't have to do any of the legwork to negotiate that deal. Some other team just did all the work for them and they can be like, all right, cool. We will match that. If, if you think you're worth this and if the market dictates you're worth this, then we'll sign you to that contract. But if the market doesn't dictate you're worth this, then maybe we'll have to rediscuss things and maybe you can reevaluate where you're at. That's well, from if the market is being suppressed yes. intentionally by ownership, penny pinching yes. ownership. Yep. That that's from their perspective. That's what they're doing. And you could certainly determine and you could certainly imply or, or, or uh, I'm, that's the wrong word, but you could basically infer. There it is. You could certainly infer. I got it. Eventually. Just in the thesaurus. <laughs> I had to get there. You could certainly infer that the Ravens have, maybe not had conversations with owners, maybe not formal conversations, but they have an understanding that other, other not coaches, other owners are not going to give Lamar Jackson this contract. And that's why we're in this situation right now. So the question is, if the Jets miss on Aaron Rodgers, would the Jets be willing to be that team that says, you know what, we'll give him the Deshaun Watson contract. We'll give him what he wants and we'll just we'll go in all in on Lamar Jackson. I, I raise that question because we talked about this very briefly before the show. If any owner in the entire NFL was willing to do that, I would have thought it'd be Dan Snyder of the Washington Commanders because that man is hated by every NFL owner. He might be on his way out. What does he have to lose by giving Lamar Jackson that contract? And you brought up a great point before the show. It's also essentially their crosstown rivals. I mean, D.C., is right there next to Baltimore. Those are essentially the Jets-Giants comparison you can make there. So why would he not want to do that, right? Why, why does he care what the owners what the owners think? Why does he care what the quarterback market is, especially if he's going to sell the team to Jeff Bezos anyway? Why does he care, right? So if he's not willing to do that, I don't know why Woody Johnson would. That's that's my holdup with it. Well, I also would say at the same time, it's this, for all the reasons that the Jets are an attractive landing spot for Aaron Rodgers, they're probably going to be an attractive landing spot for Lamar Jackson. Because now they have to pay guys eventually, but right now they're not paying any of their star skill position players a ton of money. They have a coach who I, we've written Nathaniel Hackett a ton. His specialty is the running game and running backs. Not so oh, Lamar's a running back. It means they're going to have a good running game generally, which for Lamar you have to consider. He's also going to have Garrett Wilson, who's the best wide receiver he's ever had in his career by a mile. The defense is not going to give up 38 points a game and blow all sorts of leads like what happened last year. The ownership clearly wants to win. And while we criticize Woody Johnson for a lot of things, and it may not be the most frivolous spender out there, he does try. He may not always have the best guidance, and he might kind of throw money out indiscriminately at times. But when he senses an opportunity to win, at the very least, he tries to put money into things. So I think you're going to get a very aggressive Woody Johnson, even if you give Lamar a ton of money. Now, Lamar is not perfect. He's been hurt now twice. And this is younger Lamar. So older Lamar, where you're going to be paying him, what, $50 million guaranteed, may also have problems. The other thing with Lamar, too, is although you're going to get prime Lamar with this contract, you obviously want to sign him with the intent of being a franchise quarterback beyond that. And with these running quarterbacks... A lot of them, they remind me a lot of like Derrick Rose or like Allen Iverson, Steve Francis, Gilbert Arenas, where a lot of a lot of them peak early. Cam Newton, a lot of them peak early, and then just something happens down the line, and they get beat up, and then just they cross the Rubicon, and physically they can't get back. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson will be like that. I actually think he might be less like that because 
Whereas Cam was like a bruiser who would seek out contact. Lamar is very good at avoiding a lot of these hits. He gets out of bounds. He's very elusive. But how many times has Lamar gotten laid out? And you're like, oof, very rarely. So he could avoid that. But at the same time, the Jets, have, when have the Jets ever given out a contract even approximating this? I know they haven't had quarterbacks to do that, but when have they ever been like, we are going to pay the, the toppest dollar? Forget top dollar. We're going to go over top dollar. And get this guy. That doesn't seem like something that they want to do. I also don't think with all the young players that they have eventually having to get paid, you can pay Lamar that money and keep Quinn and Williams, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner. Maybe you have to keep two of them. Maybe even three of them. I don't know about all of them. And I think that the Jets really worry about that. I think that they like their non-quarterback nucleus and they would have to break that up a bit to get Lamar. But at the same time, if you think you're one quarterback away, Lamar could fill that hole for 10 years, and you got 10 years of contention, whereas with Rodgers, you might get two years of contention. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right that they love that non-quarterback core, that young core that they have. And I think in a perfect world, they wouldn't really entertain Lamar Jackson. I think if you gave them the option of, here's Lamar Jackson, you got to give up two first-round picks and give him this contract, or you got to give Derek Carr what, what he was asking for, I think they would have chose Derek Carr. But you also have to consider the desperation factor, not only from Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, but from Woody Johnson, right? Because we already we discussed this in the beginning. If the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers, what do they do? How do they make this right? Especially because even if Jimmy Garoppolo is not a great option, but he's also not a guarantee. The Raiders are going to be in on him. The Texans sound like they're going to be in on him. There's going to be a market for Jimmy Garoppolo for sure. The Jets would not be guaranteed to get Jimmy Garoppolo. And also, you don't have Michael LaFleur there to have him be like, look, you played in this exact scheme. The thing Hackett scheme, I imagine, will be similar, but it's not, the, it's not the exact same scheme. He doesn't have that familiarity with Hackett that he did with LaFleur. So it's not a guarantee you're going to get him. I think the Jets would be hesitant to go for Lamar Jackson. But if they are desperate enough, if the Jets, if, if Joe Douglas is like, I need to save my job, and if Woody Johnson is like, we need to get a star in here, I could see them doing it. I could. I don't think they will, but I could see it happening. I think if any team were to do it, because it's, it's, you know, if you told me two days ago, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, a lot of teams would be interested. But now it's like trying to find one team that's willing to do it, right? Nobody like, wants this former MVP who's 25. Right? Anybody? <laughs> if it's not the commanders, like I would, I would think the Jets, if they miss on Rodgers, would be desperate enough to just be like, you know what? Screw this collusion shit. I don't care. We're going in on Aaron Rodgers, or we're going in on Lamar. I, dude, I keep doing it. I can't get him out of my head. We're going <laughs> in on Lamar. Every time I close my eyes, I just see number twelve Packers jerseys. I see that that ESB or that Sports Center Photoshop. That's what I see that I keep using for everything on Aaron Rodgers. Like the awful <laughs> Photoshop. That's what I see. It's in my nightmares. Um, but that's I, I think that they I think that they could be desperate enough to do it. I really do, and I think it'd go against everything Joe Douglas stands on, everything he believes in as a roster, as a, as a, a guy who builds rosters, whatever you want to call him, a GM. That's the word. Uh, I, I, I just think it goes against everything he stands for, but I think they might just be desperate enough to do it. See, I want to push back on your usage of the word desperate here because to me, desperate implies that the house is on fire and they're going to do something that no other team would do for like a quick fix. Like Deshaun Watson felt desperate to me because the Browns for whatever, like, I know that I'm probably a little bit of a bigger Baker Mayfield fan than, than most, but Baker Mayfield, I think, kind of proved that last year that he was not going to be the guy. Even though he's the only Browns quarterback to win a playoff game since they came back, he's probably not going to win you a Super Bowl. 
at the same time, they had this roster where that could win now. And they said, oh, what are we going to do for a quarterback? Uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, $200 million guaranteed. That, to me, felt like a panic move because I don't think anybody else was giving Deshaun Watson that contract fully guaranteed. The, the Browns can say that. I, I do not believe them for one second that there was a competitor to that level. Lamar Jackson just feels to me like a, a robust quarterback option that a contending team needs to consider. And I, I do like the fact that apparently teams like Atlanta and Carolina and Washington who would be great for him. Atlanta particularly was the one that surprised me. I mean, tons of cap space, offensive coordinator that loves running with quarterbacks. Marcus Mariota, he had success with. Desmond Ritter, he had success with. I, that's uh, indoors. Mar Jackson from Florida, Georgia, closer to home. That blew me away. So if, if none of those teams are in on him, the Jets can go, all right, look, Lamar. We may not even give you a fully guaranteed contract. We'll give you a ton. We'll give you more than the Ravens will. You can get out of Baltimore with an ownership group that you very clearly do not like. Because if it got to this point, that means that there is some gen- genuine friction between Lamar Jackson and the ownership. You can come to a team that's ready to win now, a coach in Robert Sala that everybody likes, all of his players like, rather, I should say. In a, and, and also, the Ravens are not going to be a playoff team anymore if, if Lamar Jackson's gone. They're going to use Jets first. What are they going to do, draft a quarterback? I don't think they're a playoff team with a rookie quarterback. So Lamar Jackson, if he wants to look at the Jets, probably has a ton of... There's, there's a lot of things that would make him say, you know what? Wouldn't mind playing for the Jets. Now, of course, the Jets, I think, are too far in on Rodgers to just pivot and be like, all right, here's our next thing. Pay $200 million to this guy. That's a big seismic shift. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if Rodgers just goes, you know what, I'm I'm going to go and do ayahuasca trips and go on astrology podcasts and sit on my hundreds of millions of dollars and call it a career, the Jets may actually be better positioned to land Lamar Jackson than most. Because if I'm Lamar Jackson, too, I know that teams like the Panthers and the Falcons can pay him money, but the Jets could help him win. And Lamar, for all of his faults as a quarterback, is an insane competitor who loves winning. I mean, every little mistake you see him banging on his helmet and going crazy at the end of games. So if winning is the priority, why not look at the Jets? I agree with you. I agree with you. My hesitation, not with the Jets. Like, if I'm the Jets, I'm trying to go all in on Lamar Jackson. I'm with you. I say, screw the collusion shit, whatever, right? I'm going all in on Lamar Jackson if they miss on Aaron Rodgers. The issue I think they would run into is I genuinely believe the Ravens would match any anything that the anything Jets would realistically offer. I, I really do. Because I think them putting the non-exclusive tag on him is their way, like I said before, of saying, hey, whatever the market dictates your value is, we want we want to see that. We want to see it for you. We want to see it for us. We think it'll help our negotiations because this is our valuation of you. But if the market says you're worth more, maybe we're willing to pay that. I think that that's where they're at right now. I think they're essentially calling Lamar Jackson's bluff and saying, we don't think you're going to get that on the, on the open market. Now, of course, there might be other reasons why he might not get that on the open market. Maybe it's a collaborative effort, whatever. But they think that he's not going to get that. If some team does step up and give him that, I genuinely believe the Ravens would be willing to to negotiate and to potentially match that offer because otherwise if they don't what are the optics of that you just gave him away for for two first round picks that's it that's less than russell wilson like that's less than what it costs to get russell wilson you know that's that's about what it costs to get jamal adams like that's crazy you know so i i don't think the ravens would want to do that and i think them putting the non-exclusive tag on him is just their way of saying 
let me see, let's let us see what you get in the open market. And if you get the thing you the, the deal you believe you're worth, whether it's the Jets, the Falcons, the Commanders, whoever, whether if you get that deal, we can revisit and we can potentially match that. I, I think that that's what they do want to do. I think probably you're right, but let me let me live in my fantasy <laughs> for a little bit now. <laughs> no, leaving the quarterback talk for as we try to end our show with our weekly draft spotlight. In, insert trumpet noises or. The ones from Blue Sweat Hooked on a Feeling that bah, 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 bah. we can put that in in post later. That's we're not going to. We're, we're not going to. <laughs> Hell yeah, copyright thing. But you know what? They just imagine it in your in your head, viewers at home. <laughs> so let's. So the much hyped draft spotlight is here. The combine, of course, took place last week. There were plenty of risers. Anthony Richardson being one who we talked about before, who tested is quite literally the most athletic quarterback in NFL history, running a four 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 at. 244 pounds, which is just Herculean. But we don't really think he's going to be a target for the Jets. This week, we wanted to focus on two offensive guys who we think could be targets for the Jets. One of them on day one with the number 13 pick, and another one maybe a potential day two pick, maybe even day three if the Jets get really lucky. So I'll start off with the wide receiver that I'm focusing on this week, and that is Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. And he was a bit of an interesting evaluation in that a lot of the receivers that I typically like are a little bit smaller and more explosive and better at the line of scrimmage. And that's where a lot of Hutchinson's flaws are. He's not going to win any 40-yard sprints. He's not going to be a deep threat that can just run by people. And a lot of fans will point to his production in college because he did have some good numbers, but there were a lot of forced touches trying to get him the ball because he was the only thing on Iowa State coached by potential Jets head coach Matt Campbell once upon a time. If we remember that, that thing's falling apart now. There were a lot of forced touches to get him the ball to kind of pump his numbers up. So there are some legitimate concerns, but at the same time, if he hits, I think that he's a guy who could be a potential Corey Davis replacement. I really liked his blocking. The production I mentioned was the fact that he had between 8 and 13 catches in all but one game this year. So that's remarkable consistency. 107 catches he finished the year with. That is third in all of college football. 6'3", 205. And he really stands out because he can make some of the most difficult catches you have ever seen. With guys draped over him, one hand, two hand. It's really impressive to watch him work. Now, I do like his actual his route running. I I know that it's been a little hit and miss, but when he gets a route that he finally clicks, he can get open for a guy that doesn't have a lot of speed. I think he'll be a sure target for whoever is under center. And if the Jets can maybe get him one little tick faster, which is possible, guys get faster when they enter the league, I think Hutchinson could be maybe a store brand, great value, America's choice, Keenan Allen. I think is a realistic ceiling for him. If they can get a guy who even approximates Keenan Allen around three, I'd be all in on it. Yeah, uh, we, we've talked about this in the past. This is a really deep wide receiver class. I don't think it's as top-heavy as some of the classes we've seen in recent years, but there's a lot of value on day two. I think Hutchinson makes sense, definitely as that Corey Davis replacement. I think he's even more versatile, too. I think he played in a slot a decent amount at Iowa State. He can do it. Like He can he can play both spots. I think he makes sense a lot, or a lot of sense, for the Jets on either, you know, either the second round, third round, somewhere on day two as a wide receiver target. 
I went with the offensive line. I'm not going to throw out anybody that is, you know, someone that probably people haven't heard of. Like, this is a very notable name. One of the players who has been most connected to the Jets in mock drafts. I honestly, legit, didn't have a ton of time to do preparation for this because of all the Aaron Rodgers stuff. So I I went with a guy who I definitely know very well because I've talked a lot about him. It's Broderick Jones from Georgia. Also makes sense because we're talking about guys who, who had really good combines. And Broderick Jones had one of the best combines of any offensive lineman. He was the fastest uh, offensive lineman at the combine. He ran a 4.9740 yard dash. He is probably the best offensive lineman in this class, or uh, best athlete at the offensive line position in this class. He's a former five star recruit who was also a basketball player as well. And you can kind of see that athleticism in his game, that length he has. He probably has my favorite tape of any lineman in this class as well. He's like, really? I thought he was more of a developmental guy for you, no. though. Let me let me refer like let me let me clarify what I mean by that. My favorite tape in the sense of he is the most fun to watch. He's not the most technically skilled as someone like Peter Skaronsky or as someone like Paris Johnson, but he throws dudes around. Like he pancakes dudes. He just it's kind of like watching Mackay Becton's tape in Louisville, where he just has these plays where he's just mauling dudes. He can he has the athleticism to get out there in space and just kind of pancake guys. Like that's that's what I love about Broderick Jones' tape. It's very, very fun to watch. Now, like I just said. He's inexperienced. Like he has less than full two two full seasons as a starting left tackle. I think he only has 19 starts or something like that. You you could see that in his game. He's not as technically refined as Peter Skaronsky or Paris Johnson Jr. He's a bit of a project, but he has a finisher mentality. The dude is a freaking mauler and he's a great athlete. And I think he makes a lot of sense for the Jets, especially since they brought back Dwayne Brown. Because right now, what I expect the Jets offensive tackle position like to look like going into 2023. I imagine it'll be Dwayne Brown at a rookie at left tackle and then Mekhi Becton and Max Mitchell at right tackle. Maybe they bring a veteran in, like some kind of swing tackle, Billy Turner, if he wants to follow Nathaniel Hackett, someone like that. Nobody super high profile. I don't think they're going for Orlando Brown. We talked about that, I think, on the last episode. Um, But I I don't think they're doing that. I think it's going to be a rookie and Dwayne Brown at left tackle. Broderick Jones makes the most sense to me because I don't think he's someone that – you necessarily want as a plug and play immediate day one starter. I think he can do it. I don't think he's like a, a guy who's going to be a complete liability out there, but I think he's more likely a play for 2024, 2025 is when I think he'll be at his ceiling. I've seen a lot of comparisons to Andrew Thomas specifically in, in his build. And I think he can follow a similar trajectory that Andrew Thomas did where his first season in, in, in with the giants, his first season in the NFL was Rocky. It, it was, it was rough. But by his second year, he was already one of the best left tackles in football. I think Broderick Jones can follow a similar trajectory. I think he's as as impressive as an athlete as Andrew Thomas was. And I I think it's someone that makes sense for the Jets because Dwayne Brown is coming back. You don't need necessarily somebody who can immediately step in as a left tackle. But I'd love to see him compete with Brown in camp. I I think he makes sense. I have two concerns with Broderick Jones. Go for it. Number one, if we're going to trade a, a bunch of premium picks for Aaron Rodgers, adding a guy who may not play as a rookie is going to be, I think, very risky. And number two, I think that Dwayne Brown coming back, I know you were saying, talking about a competition, I think Brown personally has a left tackle lockdown, even though he's old. If Brown just has left tackle lockdown, I think that might make it tougher to sell fans on offensive linemen at 13, who number one is going to be developmental anyway. And number two might be our only first round pick for the next two years because of the Rodgers trade. But at the same time, I will agree with you in that his ceiling is probably as high as Paris Johnson, who I think is running away with the title of OT1 
in this class. I agree. I, I think I've said this on the show in the past. Paris Johnson is still my favorite tackle in this class. Like, I, I, I'm completely with you. Roger Jones is my third favorite. Like, he's behind Peter Skaronsky just because of the low floor. Skaronsky, I think, is a guard, though. I mean, his arms were way too short at the combine. We'll see. I mean, they said the same about Tristan Wirfs. We'll see. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Although, they also said the same thing about Zach Martin, and that, that worked out. Yeah. And I guess um, Tristan Wirfs, too, is, like, all-time mega strong. So, I guess you could overcome with that. So... We'll see. I I've also I agree with your first point, by the way. And I made a I made a big comment about that on Twitter that got people talking. Where I was saying I think it's it's makes more sense for the Jets to draft an offensive lineman on day two. I think it makes more sense to do that with Dwayne Brown coming back because I do think he's going to be the starting left tackle come week one. I, I genuinely do believe that, and I think they do want somebody in that first round who can contribute immediately, whether that's a safety, whether it's a wide receiver, a linebacker, whatever direction they go. I agree with you, but. I think it's an option, and I think he makes more sense than Skaronsky and Paris Johnson because of the fact that you have Dwayne Brown back. Also, you don't know if Dwayne Brown's going to stay healthy. He is coming off a shoulder injury. You don't know. You definitely don't know if Mekhi Becton's going to stay healthy. Max Mitchell is also coming off a, a serious medical condition. There's You need depth there, right? You need depth. You need more sure things, and I think having Broderick Jones there makes sense. Even if I agree with you, it's not my preferred option. I'm with you there. And with that, we're going to wrap up the show. We really, boy, did we have a full show today. Now, hopefully this will be the end of the Aaron Rodgers talk because hopefully by the next time we record, he will be a New York Jet. And if he's not, maybe Lamar Jackson's a Jet. And if not, then just go cry into your Jets-themed apparel. So (laughs) whatever it may be, thank you guys so much for listening. You can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever it is you get your podcast, make sure to go to YouTube, hit that little bell so you get notified whenever we go live. I have been Mike Luciano. Justin, take us home. Yes, sir. I, I really do hope that the uh, Jets have a quarterback situation by next week because we've been saying it the last few weeks. I hope they have that resolved. I hope it's Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, thank you guys for joining us on the show. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow JetPress on Twitter at the JetPress. Download the JetPress podcast, like mentioned, wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. What was the other one? Overcast. Overcast, baby. Yeah, Overcast. We'll keep shouting that one out. Um, of course. Uh, yeah, also check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Hope we have Aaron Rodgers. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.